0: Morning, friends. Good to see you. Thanks for braving the rain and uh, being here today. My name's Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Essex Lions Church, and it is a joy to worship and be together today. Ushers, come on down. Let's take the offering together. And as they do that, I just want to highlight something that Cam just mentioned in the announcements, and that is our back-to-school block party coming up in August at our North Avenue campus. Now... We've been doing this for a few years, and every year it seems to get bigger and bigger in terms of more people know about it and more people are coming, and uh, if you're unfamiliar with this event, it's right before school starts, we have bounce houses and food and just a... a good time on a beautiful day, hopefully out there at North Avenue. But the main thing about this event is we want to help resource and get families ready to get back into the school year. And there's a lot of need in Burlington for um, just some basic things like backpacks and lunch boxes and water bottles, those sorts of things. Uh, So... Over the next few weeks, uh, out in the lobby here, also at our North Avenue campus in the lobby, we've got a donation spot where you guys, please, we'd love you to donate uh, those things. Backpacks especially, but also lunch boxes and water bottles. Pens, pencils, binders, that stuff's appreciated, but the school district covers a lot of those things. So those bigger items, uh, kids need them. And every year, we, you have given more and we have given away more. And it is just such a big need in Burlington. And it's a way for us to uh, be good neighbors and to help uh, our city just launch into the school year in a good way. So I'd love to see those bins filled over the next few weeks so we can uh, get those into the hands of some kids who really need it there in Burlington in our neighborhood around there. Uh, so thanks for being a part of that. We'd also love you to volunteer. Uh, it's super easy. It's a, it's a lot of fun to do it together and also to get to know people there who come and have, um, have a good time at the event. So uh, thanks for being a part of that and for uh, giving and doing all those, all those things. Uh, it's, it's been a week, hasn't it, here in Vermont? We've had quite a week. It's been crazy. Um, where I live in Burlington, uh, you know, the, the rains came and the floods came, and we're pretty unaffected where I live uh, there on North Avenue in Burlington. And uh, that day... You know, it's such a trip just to like, see our little state and our neighborhoods on the national news, you know, being talked about and the devastation. And it's sort of this disconnect I felt throughout the week of, of being like, this is us, and they're talking about us. That doesn't happen a lot in Vermont. And, um, you know, I was driving that day when the sun came out after the rains, and I kind of forgot everything was going on. And I was, I was driving into Winooski on my way out here to Essex, and I drove over the Winooski River there at the falls on the bridge. And man, was it shocking to see that water, because raging. And that was a place where there really wasn't any flooding in that immediate place. And uh, I can only imagine and uh, try to empathize with the people, some of you maybe, who have had your homes flooded or your businesses and, and uh, your neighbors, things like that. So man, my heart has been breaking this week. I have been happy to see all of the... Um, People jumping in to give and serve and volunteer and clean up. It is so encouraging to see that happening in our community. But nonetheless, the devastation is real. The hurt is real. The damage to lives and property and businesses and livelihood and all of that. It's going to take some time to clean up. We know this. So uh, I want to take a minute before we get into today's message. I want to pray for our state and for our cleanup efforts. And uh, two, you know, I, I thought about organizing some kind of like, hey, let's do this and help together. But there are so many ways to volunteer that are out there in our community to give to people who are engaged in doing some really good work in a more um, uh, expert way way than I could, or or many of us could, I'd encourage you to sign up, to volunteer, to do that along some people in our community, and to just be a part of those efforts uh, as well. So, church, let's pray. Let's pray for our state and for what's going on and for the cleanup, and and then we'll get to the message. That can wait a second. This is is more important, so let's pray. God, um, man... uh, it's hard to fathom the awesome power of nature. You know, we live here in this world, and for the most part, we, we just get to live our lives and enjoy where we live. But when times like this happen, it's a reminder of uh, just how big and powerful uh, the cre- your creation is, and just how small and fragile we, we are as people. So, Lord, uh, we ask that you would have mercy on our state in these days as people clean up and uh, fix what's broken, put the pieces back together, or maybe even have to move on in some cases to a new place and a new thing. We pray, Lord, that our efforts to clean up and fix would be fruitful, that we would care for each other well and our world well, our neighbors. And Lord, we would see um, the devastation subside and thriving come back into those places. Comfort come back into those homes and um, stability and joy come back into the lives that are really affected uh, over the last week. So God, we pray that you would intervene in a mighty way. Use us how you see fit. Put us together uh, with those who are in those uh, places doing the cleanup. And Lord, would we work on your behalf to help, to heal, and to uh, speak message of hope wherever we can. Lord, we thank you um, that you are with us in this. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for praying with me, church. So today we're going to continue in the sermon series we've been in for the last few weeks, our seven steps sermon series that we've been talking about the last three weeks, uh, where... uh, we've been looking at some of the what and why we at Essex Alliance do some of the things we do and the thought processes we have. Uh, This is week four. Pastor Scott's walked us through the first three steps over the previous three weeks, and wouldn't you know it, he... He gave to me today, week four, not only step four, but step five as well. So uh, thank you, Scott, for the opportunity to uh, tackle two steps in one day. Uh, But here's a refresher for where we've been the last few weeks and, and kind of what we've been talking about and how it builds. And hopefully, you know, if you've been here, reminder, if you haven't, you get to see a little bit about what we've been talking about. So here we go. Step one. Uh, we talked about a few weeks ago. It says, uh, this is our step one, our strategy. A follower of Jesus at Essex Alliance Church builds friendships of integrity with non-churched people. Just having friends, being a good neighbor, uh, being a good person that people want to be friends with. This is kind of a, you know, step one, not just for church, but for life in general, right? Step two, the friendship of integrity builds the bridge for the follower of Jesus to share the story of Jesus. It's the best context for us to talk about Jesus in, with people who know that we actually love them and care about them. Step three, at their timing, not your timing, their timing, the friend is brought to an event or church service that is designed with both them and you in mind. There they will find an event or service that is relevant, practical, contemporary, and done with excellence, allowing them all the time they need to decide what to do with Jesus. So that's step one through three. Today we get to see uh, steps four and five. Oh, what could they be, steps four and five? Uh, When I was in sixth grade, I was sitting at the lunch table with some friends, uh, you know, the guys, the dudes. You know, the dudes got to sit together. We can't sit with the girls. The girls can't sit with us. We got to sit. We're the dudes there at the table, right? So sixth grade, we're sitting at the lunch table, having, you know, doing whatever weird sixth grade boys do, eating lunch and, you know, throwing stuff at each other. And my friend Rob, who's sitting next to me, One day in October, I remember specifically it was October, he looked at me and said, hey, Matt, do you want to come to youth group at my church tonight? Now, I grew up Catholic, and I uh, barely even knew that uh, non-Catholic churches existed. So he said, you want to come to youth group at my church tonight? And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, What's that? And he said, oh, it's a lot of fun. We play games. We sing songs. We talk about God. We learn. It's great. It's awesome. You should come. Come. And again, I I didn't know having fun at church was something we were allowed to do. So I said, yeah, let's let's go, let's do it. So I went with Rob that week, it was Wednesday night, to middle school youth group, 6th, 7th and 8th graders. And man, was it a blast. A lot of fun. Uh, made some good friends. Got to know some good people. Uh, we we had uh, we sang some songs, and danced around, and uh, we had our cool youth pastor guy gave a message, and then we broke up into little groups and kind of talked about uh, what we were learning about in life and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was awesome. And here I am today. I'm a pastor, right? Because a friend of mine had the idea to invite me to church when we were in sixth grade. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, the number one way people still come to church and come to know Jesus is through a friend or family member, someone they know cares about them, inviting them. That's my story. And I wonder for how many of you in this room or watching online share that story with me, that you are here because you were invited. Now, that first year I was in youth group, we did a lot of fun stuff. I don't have specific memories of most of it, but I can tell you that most Wednesday nights we got together, we had a message, and then we broke up into groups, sixth graders with sixth graders, seventh graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, talked together with people who are in the same stage as us, learned together, you know, just process life together. Probably most of that conversation was nonsense, but there was good stuff in there. Now, uh, we weren't learning about heavy stuff sixth graders, right? Middle schoolers. We weren't talking about the end times. We weren't trying to define the Trinity or find the best way to explain that kind of stuff, or whether Jesus is coming back pre-tribulation, post-tribulation. We weren't talking about that stuff. We were just talking about Jesus and life and what it meant to to follow Jesus as a middle schooler. And yeah, we were kids, and some of us had no church background, had no concept for what it meant, But that group was designed to meet us where we were and help us learn about Jesus and the basics of who he was and who we are and what it means to follow him. Which brings us to step four in our seven steps. Here's step four. Once a person decides they're in, they're invited to participate in a study designed especially for them, helping them start their journey. At Essex Alliance Church, we want to meet you where you're at. And for someone who's just starting their journey of following Jesus, we believe it's important to start at some of those basic foundational things. There's a story in the book of Acts, a very brief story in Acts chapter 17. Paul, the apostle, he's on his second missionary journey. It's somewhere around the year 51 AD. He's traveling around Macedonia, which is like northern Greece, and he's in the city of Thessalonica. And he runs into some trouble in Thessalonica. They're trying to kick him out. They don't like what he's talking about. So he flees in the night and goes, by to, goes to the nearby city of Berea. And there in Berea, uh, we're told that this happens, this very brief story. Just two verses in Acts 17, verse 11. It says, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Paul went and talked to the Jewish population there first, because Jesus was the Jewish Messiah, okay? He goes there first. Those Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. And as a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. A couple things I want to point out from this very brief story in Acts 17. First thing is that the Bereans, they were ready to hear the message. It says that uh, the Bereans there, uh, the, Jewish, uh, the Jews there were of a more noble character. Now, a person of noble character is probably someone you want to be around and talk to. It's not a person of noble character. It's not someone who's going to like cut you off in conversation or get mad at you or defensive or, or kick you out of the city like the Thessalonians did to Paul. I'm guessing these people were peaceful. It says they were receptive to his message. They were willing to listen. And I would argue they actually wanted to know truth. And because they were noble, they listened to what Paul had to say about Jesus They didn't discount it out of hand or get defensive. They were receptive and willing to listen. And if what Paul told them was true, they were willing to change and totally reorient the way they thought and lived their lives to align with the truth about Jesus. And I think there's a lesson for us in there, for us to look out for people of noble character. And I think those friendships of integrity we've talked about the last few weeks, think back to step one, That's part of that process of finding people and knowing people of noble character and being a person of noble character as well. So that's just the first thing. Second thing I wanna point out about this uh, brief story about the Bereans is that the Bereans, they heard the message, they heard about Jesus from Paul, and then what did they do? They examined the scriptures, it says, every day to figure out if it was true. They did a Bible study together, day after day, They examined the scriptures, they looked, they studied, they talked to see how it all fit together, what God promised in the Old Testament, how Jesus fulfilled that, do those things align? They focused on those foundational things, who Jesus is and the promises of God, how they fit together. And they discovered that Paul's message was true, that Jesus really was the Messiah. And it says that many of them believed, as did a number of the non-Jewish people in the city as well. The Bereans heard the gospel, the message about Jesus. They opened their Bibles and together learned and studied what that meant. You know, it's a strategy as old as Christianity itself. A person hears the message of Jesus, asks the question, hey, is that true? And then opens the Bible to dig in, figure out if it's true and what that means. It works. And step four is that process. Now, there's two important elements of step four that uh, I think go hand in hand, that if you, um, if you neglect one, you're gonna miss out on the other, if that makes sense. So let me explain that. First element is, uh, is study. That's the first element of step four. Now, there's no exam to get into heaven. We don't have an exam to be part of the church, anything like that, so don't worry. Study, we're not talking about that. Rather, when you decide to follow Jesus you begin a lifelong process of learning more about him. And trust me, it takes a lifetime to grasp a lot of this. You start a lifelong process of learning more about him and what it means to follow him. This means a few simple things. Number one, that we got to read our Bibles, open them up, read it, talk about it, learn more about God through his word and the stories of how he's worked in the world. It also means that we got to learn from others along the way, whether it's in sermons or books or podcasts or whatever. God is so awesome and big, and sometimes it's very complicated, and sometimes it's very simple. It seems complicated, and we need other people to help us along the way. Getting to know God, let's use the word study for that. Getting to know God is an essential part of the process of following Him, and we do that through reading. And studying his word, the Bible, like the Bereans did. But if you do that by yourself, you're going to miss out. The second element of step four is that we learn in community. We do it with others. Others in the same place as you. And others who have been following Jesus for longer than you have. God put us together in community because... We need one another to learn and grow as we follow him. You know, Jesus in Matthew 16, he looks at Peter. There's a story, many of you probably know it. But what he doesn't say to Peter, he doesn't say, hey, Peter, on this rock, I will build a Christian. And James, on this rock, I'm gonna build a Christian. And John, on this rock, I'm gonna build a Christian. No, he looks at Peter and he says, on this rock, I will build my church. That word church, the Greek word ekklesia, which means a gathering, a, a group, a community of people. Jesus says, that's what I'm going to build. Not a bunch of individual Christians. God's plan is that we do this thing together. Author Suzanne Woods Fisher, she wrote these words. I think they're, so, they're simple and poignant. She said, a Christian without a church is like a bee without a hive. We need one another to do this right. Here's what the author of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10 as he encourages us. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching how do we hold to the hope we profess? Well, by meeting together. Community. How do we spur one another on towards love and good deeds? By meeting together. Community. In those early stages of following Jesus, it is vital that every new Christian, every new Jesus follower, learn in a community. In fact, it's so vital that throughout history, we see stories of people who, even if they were the only Christian in their town or in their region, in their city, they told other people about Jesus and a community grew and they got to do Christianity together. It is a vital part of following Jesus. A few weeks ago, Pastor Scott uh, talked about Acts chapter 8, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And in the story, just as a refresher, the Holy Spirit, he uh, leads Philip down to the southern part of Israel onto this road, and there he meets an Ethiopian official. It says he's an official in the court of the queen of Ethiopia, so he's pretty high up in the ranks. And he's traveling back home from Jerusalem where he was worshiping at the temple, the Jewish temple. seems this man might have been a Jewish convert and worshiped the Jewish God, the one true God. And as he's uh, traveling, it says he was reading from the book of Isaiah, specifically the section that talks about the coming Messiah and how he's going to suffer and die. And he's having trouble understanding it. So Philip rolls up on him and, and says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? The guy says, no. So Philip explains. They do a little Bible study together. This is what the Bible says and this is who Jesus is and they fit those pieces together very nicely. And the Ethiopian believes and Philip baptizes him like right then and it says this in verse 39 of Acts 8 that when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Whoosh, he's gone. And the eunuch did not see him again but went on his way rejoicing. So this official Continues on his journey south, back home to Africa. And that's all we know. And he rejoiced as he went. We're not told anything else. Now, our English versions tell us that this man uh, was from Ethiopia. Uh, but 2,000 years ago, this kingdom wasn't in modern-day Ethiopia. It was a little further north and west in modern-day uh, Sudan, a little, a little closer up. Uh, why is this important? Because there is strong, strong evidence that, uh, that Christianity and churches were well-established in northeastern Africa not long after this story in Acts chapter 8 takes place. This story probably took place in the mid-30s AD. And we know, absolutely know, that by the year 50 AD, not long later, there was a strong Christian presence and established churches in the north African city of Alexandria, Strong Christian churches there. Now, we don't know this for sure, but is it possible, is it possible, just dream with me for a second, that this, that this excited, rejoicing, baptized man could have brought that message of Jesus back home with him? There was a strong Jewish population in that uh, region of the world at the time. And like Paul, who would go first to the Jews to explain about the Jewish Messiah, because there's a there's a foundational level of understanding there. Is it possible this guy would have gone back home to his community and said, Guys, we found the Messiah, his name's Jesus. He died and suffered and rose again. And look what Isaiah says, and put those pieces together for some people. And for there the gospel to spread and the community to grow. Is it possible? I think it's possible. I think it's possible. So why does that matter? Well, because we're not meant to be Christians alone. This guy didn't rejoice after being baptized, and when someone would ask him, hey, why are you so, what's, what's with your mood? Why are you so happy? He, I doubt he would have said, um, yeah, that's personal. Please don't ask me about it. No, he would have told people. And he would have been the only person in that region of the world at that moment with the gospel message on his lips. So we're not supposed to be Christians alone. Community started and grew and established and was strong. And it started with a Bible study, with Philip. Someone who knew about Jesus, helping someone who didn't know Jesus learn about Jesus. Reading scripture together, the book of Isaiah, and asking, what does it mean? And why does it matter? And that not only changed the course of this man's life, but it changed the course, I think, of countless other lives. You know, our goal as a church is to, to help build strong, established, lifelong followers of Jesus. That's what we want to do. And we do that by starting with a firm foundation, by focusing on those essential, basic truths of the Christian faith. Who is Jesus? And why does it matter? And how do we kind of put the pieces together in our lives? Now, you may be the type of person that wants to jump right in and learn some complex theology. You might want to try to define the Trinity. Good luck. You might want to learn about the end times and when exactly Jesus is coming back. Good luck. Some people are jump right into that or wanting to know a number of other important but kind of harder to grasp theological ideas. But I believe when a person first becomes a Christian or is in the process of figuring it all out, our goal is to start with the basics. Not to start there with the hard stuff, but to start with Jesus, who he is, what he did, why it matters. And we'll build a firm foundation. The Apostle Peter writes in First Peter chapter two to the church. This is you to you and I. It says, like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that, the Lord is good. Like babies, we start with the milk, the stuff we can digest, the basics, and lay a firm foundation on which to continue to build a strong and vibrant faith. Now, please understand when we say, you're like a baby, you need milk, we're not saying you're stupid, or you can't understand that stuff. You know, I've had kids of my own, I've met a lot of babies. Babies are stupid. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. They're dumb. They're cute, but they're dumb. We're not saying that about you. Peter's not saying that about you. What we're saying is, well, we need to start somewhere. Let's start with the foundational stuff, and we can build on that firm foundation as we go. That's what we're saying. And I just want to plug some things uh, this morning as we talk about this. We have lots of opportunities here at our church. To dig into some of those step four uh, experiences and areas to, to start to lay that foundation and focus on some of those basic things. We have plenty of opportunities. Sorry if I spit. I saw my spit come out there. It was gross. Um, um, <laughs> we have plenty throughout the year. Uh, we have two classes designed specifically to kind of hit these, these basic things about who is Jesus and what it means to follow him. Uh, Again, just plug in here, some commercials. We have a Christianity Explored and Rooted, two classes that we offer throughout the year. Christianity Explored is a seven-week class that is essentially exactly as it sounds. It's exploring Christianity. Some of the basic stuff, asking questions like, who is Jesus? Why did he have to die? What is sin? Those sorts of things. And over those seven weeks, We tackle those questions and many others. It's a discussion-oriented class where we can come and ask questions and dig in together. And uh, along the way, we also read the book of Mark and learn the story of Jesus as we talk about those foundational things and get to know him a little better. It's a great experience. That's going to be coming again in the fall. We're probably going to have it at our North Avenue campus. You're all invited. All welcome. I'd love you all to come and be a part of that uh, if you're willing to drive into Burlington please come. It's going to be awesome. Second class we have uh, is a class called Rooted. And again, this is a short-term class. It's 10 weeks. And it's uh, kind of geared towards the question, okay, I'm a Christian. Now what do I do? And this focuses on uh, some very foundational things about what it means to follow Jesus. How do I think about uh, prayer or telling others about him? Uh, What do I do with my finances and telling my story? Those sorts of things. And over 10 weeks, again, a discussion-oriented class where you can dig into some of those things together in a community and figure out what that looks like for you and what that looks like for us as we walk together through that process. Um, we had our first rooted class uh, this past spring. Uh, Fifteen or so people went through the course, and, and it ended a few months ago. And even though the classes ended. I've been getting emails from some of the class members asking me if I can reserve space in the building so they can get together still every few weeks to spend time in prayer, catching up, hanging out, and doing all those things. They love being together because they went through this experience together, built real friendships, a real community through that, and that to me is just so beautiful that it's not just about knowing more, but it's about doing it together as a community and growing alongside one another. Uh, And that's just a couple of our opportunities. We have others, like our men's breakfast every month. We have mops for our mothers of preschoolers. Our youth ministry program is designed with the new kid in mind, to just meet people where they're at, to have fun and to, to grow in some of those foundational things we want to offer these sorts of spaces and experiences to intentionally help lay a firm foundation for people as you start your journey following Jesus or discovering hey is this is this true and what do i do about it one more commercial before we move on and that's for right now media we have this awesome resource it's free for you to sign up it's a database people call it the youtube of of bible studies You sign up, you just enter your name, your email, and you're good to go. And uh, you have access to over 25,000 different uh, video-based Bible studies, uh, book studies, and teachings from pastors and professors and theologians, really wonderful, smart people. Um, I encourage you, sign up for it. You can find it on Church Center. There's a link. You can navigate it pretty easily. And uh, you're good to go there. It's an awesome resource for these sorts of things. But here's the key piece about step four. The thing we can't miss. The thing that will help the new person get into these groups or experiences to learn and grow in an intentional way alongside of other people should be the same thing that got them here in the first place. An invitation from you. The friend. Who has that relationship, that friendship of integrity that we've been talking about. Now most people, most people, they might see an offering for a class or a group and say, hey, I should do that. That sounds like I'm uh, something about you know, right where I'm at or I'm interested. But most of us, we're not going to sign up. Simply, m- many of us won't. Now, some of you might. Some of you might jump in, but you guys are a different breed. But most of us won't sign up. Why? Because chances are you don't know somebody who's there already. And taking that step to be in a space where people you don't know can be really intimidating. So, your friend is a thousand times more likely to engage in those sorts of experiences and places if you engage with them. If you say, hey, let's do Christianity Explored together. Hey, let's join a small group together. A thousand times more likely if you do it together. So I'd encourage you, be that kind of friend. Be that kind of Christian who's going to walk alongside someone else to get plugged in, to grow, to learn, and build that foundation. Love Jesus as you follow him. Step four, it's it's about the milk, we'll say, the foundational stuff. Who is Jesus? Who is God? What does it mean to follow him? And like Peter says... That spiritual milk is essential to help every new believer begin to grow up in faith and truth and love as we follow Jesus. But eventually, like a child does, as we grow up in our faith, we gotta move on from the milk to the solid food. From foundational truths to bigger, more nuanced truths to learn more, to grow more, and to to be in awe of our God as we do so. Here's what the author of Hebrews says in chapter 5. He says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And this brings us to step 5. Here's our step 5. The growing follower of Jesus engages in a small group discipleship experience designed to help them in their walk, grow in their understanding and develop their gifts while pursuing both community and the reality of belonging. Foundational truths are good. They're necessary. They might be the most important things. We should never walk away from them or stop reminding ourselves about them. But if you just stay in that zone, and you never want to know more, or grow, or learn more, or you don't ask big questions about life and God, or you start to join some other people and walk through books of the Bible you never have before, or even tackle some more complicated theology, if you've never moved past the milk, eventually your faith is going to plateau. Your desire for God will relax. You think you have it all figured out. You, you don't feel excited anymore. Your, your engagement in ministry will, will become less consistent. I, I don't have to go this week. I did that last week. I, and all of a sudden, it's been a month or two since you've been in your small group. It's been a month or two since you've been here on a Sunday or you've served where you normally serve. If you're pursuing God or if you stop pursuing God, your faith will hit that plateau. And when your faith plateaus, you stop growing. Your vision for living God's mission and the purpose he has for your life will get lost in the clutter of all the other urgent matters of our lives. This is why step five is such an essential part of what we believe it means to uh, be a, a disciple of Jesus here at Essex Alliance Church. We We not only believe, but we know, we know that every single person who follows Jesus needs to be engaged in a regular Bible study or class or community group, uh, not to become the smartest Christian, not to, so we can check a box and say, we've got 90% participation in our ministries. No, we don't, we don't care about that. We want to see lifelong established Passionate followers of Jesus, and we believe this is an essential part of that process: keeping our minds engaged and our hearts in awe of the God that we follow. Now, if you attend Sunday mornings every week, you can even serve in the church as a greeter or maybe a youth leader, but if you aren't engaged in a regular Bible study or discipleship experience and learning alongside of others, even if you feel like you're on top of the world right now, eventually. Eventually, it'll plateau. It is not a sustainable approach to following Jesus. I've seen it happen too many times. You know, I have a good friend who um, I invited to youth group once upon a time, a couple years after my friend Rob invited me. I think it was eighth grade I invited him. And this guy came and all throughout high school, we were uh, going to everything together on Wednesday nights and we were leading worship and we were on the youth leadership team and leading Bible studies and all this stuff in, while we were in high school. And then we moved on to college and in college we were serving and he, he played on the worship team and he was helping volunteer in the youth ministry and, and um, eventually he stopped showing up when he didn't have to. When he wasn't leading or serving, he wasn't there, very simply, wasn't engaged he enjoyed that serving piece. But anytime time uh, he wasn't, he wasn't there. We even had a college ministry Bible study that took place at his house where he lived with some other guys in the church. And he was never there. And when I called him out on it one time, he just had excuses. Well, I'm here, I'm that, I'm doing this. I'm he had somewhere else to be. Wasn't around on Sunday mornings and still uh, Still serving. When he was signed up, still leading, when he was signed up, but nothing else. not doing anything to engage his heart, his mind, or putting one step in, one foot in front of the other as he followed Jesus. You know what happened? Plateau of faith. Following Jesus wasn't an intentional part of his life. Yeah, he did churchy things, but it's not sustainable. And today, certainly wouldn't consider himself a Christian. And there was no crisis of faith, no deconstruction, spiritual deconstruction, anything like that, simply because he was not intentionally engaged in any sort of discipleship, learning and growing together in community. And that plateau stopped being a plateau and started being a downward slope until, hey, why even go anymore? Why be a part of it? Believe this is an essential part of the Christian life growing together in community, learning together in community. We have to move beyond that milk, the foundational stuff, as important as it is, to keep our vision, our awe, our love of God rich and fresh and new because it's really easy to stop walking after Jesus with everything else we got going on and lose that vision. Paul, the apostle, he came through the city of Corinth in the year 50 AD or so. Stayed in that city preaching and teaching for about a year, year and a half. And then he left. Established the church there and he left. And a little while after he left, the Corinthians, they were having some problems so they wrote him a letter outlining some of the problems they had and saying, Paul, come help us solve these problems. And he wrote a response back to them, a letter. We have that in our Bibles, the letter of 1 Corinthians. It's his response to the problems of the Corinthian church. Now, the Corinthian church was a mess, an absolute disaster. They were facing a lot of problems. There were were factions in the church. There were some people who said, we like what Paul has to say. And another group that said, we like this other guy, Apollos, and what he has to say. And they didn't get along well. The Jewish Christians and the non-Jewish Christians were also fighting with each other about rituals and laws and food stuff. So they they didn't get along. And then it's clear, if you read the letter, that there was some really deep, uh, like, immorality and sexual sin and a lot of other stuff going on in the church as well that was kind of being tolerated by most people. And I think, I think the reason they were such a mess and they had these deep issues is because that church never seemed to move past the milk. So part of his response, Paul writes in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, he says to them, brothers and sisters... I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not uh, not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. The foundation's good, the milk is good, it's necessary, we need it, it's the essentials. But if we, as we follow Jesus, don't ask bigger questions and, and get, into, get into new and, and learning more and growing more and figuring out some of those nuances, it's, it's usually not enough to sustain a vibrant, growing, and healthy faith. Step five is essential. We want to see every person who calls Essex Alliance Church home engaged in a regular, ongoing discipleship experience where you are reading and studying scripture and praying together and doing that as a community. We want to see that because we believe in it. It's an essential piece of cultivating a vibrant, healthy, lifelong faith in Jesus. And again, there's no shortage of opportunity for this. Let me give you some more commercials about what we got going on. Uh, we have people throughout the week meeting in homes in our community groups, number of groups throughout the week in different towns, different areas. Um, I'd encourage you, check out our list and sign up for one. Or if you look at that and say, hey, there's no group in my hometown or there's no group on Fridays and that's the only night I have free during the week, uh, start a group. Talk to me, I'm here to resource you, to help, to get the ball rolling and to make sure you have everything you need to uh, lead well and to do that with others. And honestly, it's not that heavy lifting, guys. We've got this right now media thing going on. It's got outlines and and questions and studies to go along with all the material. Uh, You you know, the preparation, you're not having to sit there and get out all the books and commentaries and research uh, and do that, but you can just gather some people and say, hey, let's do this together and you guys can do it together well. So if you are interested in starting a community group, talk to me. I'm your guy. I'm here for it. Let's do it. I'd love to see more community groups start. Come talk to me. Um, Or if you're saying, hey, Matt, you know, that sounds great, but I got kids. They're doing sports. I've got 18 things every night of the week. I I can't quite do that. Well... We've got coming up this fall, keep an eye out for more information. We're going to do like a four or five week uh, discipleship experience where we're going to ask everyone to join together in a small group or something, create your own little group, invite a neighbor, and dig in on a specific topic together. It's only going to be four or five weeks. I believe in you. We can do four or five weeks. I think you guys can do it. I believe in you. It's going to be awesome. Keep an eye out for that. Again, men's and women's ministries have a number of studies you can join throughout the week, in person, online, morning, afternoon, evening. We got it all covered. There's times and places for you to dig in together. Look at Church Center, check it out. It's all there. Youth ministry, a lot of fun stuff this summer. But did you know our youth ministry is also hosting every other Thursday night, an intentional time, just a Bible study together. Students, middle school and high schoolers, check this out. Get to know God and do it with others. It's It's an awesome experience. And our college and young adults, we meet every Monday, every Monday evening, read the Bible together, pray together, spend time processing God's word. Uh, we're also looking to create some new classroom experiences this year where you can come on a Sunday and worship in one service and, and go and, with a group and maybe study the book of Romans or talk about spiritual gifts, things like that. Keep an eye out for those as well. It's going to be a great experience. I don't want anyone in this church to say, well, they didn't have anything for me. So I didn't do it. I don't want that to be anyone's story that comes through, the, comes through the doors of our church. I know a lot of us feel that way. I feel that way sometimes too. But I want to be intentional about providing opportunities for all of us, all of us, to get together and to step forward together, walking after Jesus, growing together, encouraging each other, uh, learning together, and doing it as a community. Not a group of people jammed together, but a community. We love each other and care for each other encourage each other, opening up our Bibles together. Your faith is too precious to not keep working on it, to cultivate it. I need that for myself. I know you need it for yourself. We need it together as a church. Uh, I get to have the privilege of helping to lead our young adult Bible study. Uh, For some reason, they keep me around um, we had a barbecue a couple months ago and I was grilling and everyone kept calling me dad all night. And I was, <laughs> had my big spatula. But, uh, so I get to lead our, our young adult study and, uh, you know, I don't always lead the study. In fact, there's a lot of nights I'm not there. I'm busy. I got kids. I got stuff going on. But we get together every Monday night, you know, open our Bibles. We talk, process God's word together and try to put the pieces what it means to follow Jesus as we grow and learn more about him. And I have to say without a doubt, this is the highlight of my week. Monday nights. I love it. And it takes effort. It takes, you know, having to prepare a Bible study. It takes having to, you know, leave the house at dinner time and not hang out with my kids and my wife that night. It takes, uh, you know, energy, relational energy to catch up with everyone and keep everyone straight and what's going on and help, you know, carry each other's burdens. It takes that. But I've never once left a Monday night saying, ah, that wasn't worth my time. Every single moment we get to step alongside of each other to grow together, to talk about Jesus and life and Every second we get to do that, I promise you, it's worth it. It is worth every moment. Being in a community that is committed together to following Jesus, it's a game changer for your life, for your faith, I promise you. Does it take effort? Yeah. It takes giving priority. It takes being intentional. It takes often saying, hey, I'm not gonna do this other thing I really wanna do because I think this is important promise you you won't think it's not worth it it is absolutely worth it and again the key piece to all of this is community it's doing it together you know no christian can do christianity alone we're just simply not meant to jesus he gathered a group the apostle paul he went and gathered a group where he went and called it the church Since the time Jesus ascended into heaven, Christians have been gathering together in the temple courts, in synagogues, in the city streets and town squares, been gathering in homes and in basements, in coffee shops and bars, in church buildings and in parks, meeting together to grow, to learn, to pray, and to live on mission as a community. These aren't like, hey, it would be nice if you did it kind of things. These are essential things, essential to each of us as we learn, grow, and follow Jesus, and we do that together. Engaging alongside of others to learn more wherever step you're at, asking questions, reading the Bible, doing it together as a community. God designed the church for that purpose. We need each other. That's why he put us together. So church, let's do that. Let's do it more and bigger and better and deeper. Not so we can say, hey, look at, look at our metrics and our engagement and all, all those things. Like, who cares? Who cares about those things? But to do it so we can say Essex Alliance Church is a community that really loves God. They love each other. And man, do they love the world as well. That's what we're after. Step four and five. All right, church, would you stand? And we'll close in prayer. God, I'm thankful that you put us together. As uh, awkward as that can be sometimes, as hard as that can be sometimes, as joyful as that can be a lot of times. Thank you for putting us together. That you haven't asked us to stand on our own and try try to remain faithful to you when there's so much going on in the world that we can be overwhelmed. But you knit us together as a family, as a community, so we can encourage each other, help each other, bear life's burdens, and live on mission together as we follow you. Lord, help us in these coming days to to find ways to engage with others, whether it's through the specific ministries here or not, whether it's in other ways, Lord, we just, we need each other, whatever that looks like. Help us to walk faithfully after you alongside of one another so that we can not only build that firm foundation, but we can build on that firm foundation. And when we reach glory... We will see you face to face, having run the race set before us. Thank you, God, that we are together. In your name we pray, amen. 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 God bless you, church. We'll see you again soon.